Okay, and uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, very special day because we've actually got two guests here. We've got uh, Jeff Cooper, who's senior partner, and Ashton Bishop, who's head of strategy, both from Step Change. Welcome, guys. G'day, Darren. Hey, Darren. So, um, look, the reason I wanted to catch up, and especially uh, w- with you, Ash, but also you, Jeff, is that uh, oh, you are the creators of Stump the Strategist. And I've participated a few times and really enjoyed mm-hmm. it. Yeah, nailed it. But it got me thinking about the term strategy yeah. and how debased strategy has become in business. Because everyone seems to be a strategist. And you're head of strategy, so who better to ask? <laughs> Ash, what do you think about the term strategy? Oh, yeah, I think we're having strategic planning meetings, strategic away day, that strategist is on probably more business cards than ever before. And I think it's so ubiquitous, it's just losing meaning and relevance. And I keep asking business owners and teams and marketers for a definition, and it gets awkward and there's this silence. Yeah, I've seen that silence. But um, Jeff, you know, what, from your experience... What is the tr- why, why do people have this trouble with strategy? Yeah, look, it's one of those things, a little bit like social media was over the last couple of years, is that we just expect we should have it and have it in spades. And whenever something's trending, uh, as the term strategist is, then people believe they should have it and that if they don't have a lot of that within their business, they're probably doing something wrong. But of course, just like anything else, there is a right mix and not everyone needs it all the time. Um, so it's about having some discipline with mm-hmm. how you use strategy and just being really focused and intentional about how and when you engage it. Um, because what we've seen at the moment is that most strategists out there are in fact channel or tactic specialists who are there to recommend and promote that particular channel rather than give an across-the-board global view on strategy. So, so not, what I'm hearing is not all strategies created equally then because you know, clearly if there's lots of different strategists and lots of different strategy, are they all equal? Yeah, well, I think that's where it's getting lost and to sort of just pick up on a point that Jeff put down, implementation planning is being substituted for strategy. And mm. I think when we go back to right back up to 50,000 feet, the need for strategy and where it started. So strategy obviously evolved out of the military context of when you are outnumbered, what do you do? So strategy arises with an understanding first and foremost that the need for strategy says resources are limited. Time, dollars, but most importantly, focus. Mm -hmm. So when time, dollars and focus are limited, we turn to strategy as a how to achieve an objective or a purpose, but most importantly, where to apply limited resources for disproportionate results. That's really interesting because you're uh, alluding there with military and also limited resources. It goes straight to Sun Tzu's um, art of war. You know, the idea that strategy is about what you don't do rather than what you do do because, you know, we could do anything, couldn't we? Well, that's the the jobs quote out at the moment, which is probably most overquoted man on the planet, just past Einstein. Mm. But he said, I'm so incredibly proud of everything that we did and achieved at Apple. I'm even prouder of what we chose not to do. And that's where we go back to the heart of strategy's choice. And where, where Jeff was going is that when you get to the individual disciplines, it's not a choice, it's a tug of war of saying this and this. 
Mm. And so there's implementation plans. When you do this and that and this and that. Strategy is the opposite. Strategy is of choice of saying, what am I prepared to let go of so that I can reinvest for greatest leverage somewhere else? So it's mm. a series of choices. And the reason strategy is hard is that strategy requires letting go of something. And as humans, we're disproportionately coded to weigh the letting go greater than the gain. It's the subjective value. So prospect theory says that we experience, if, if I was going to say, uh, Darren, uh, I'm going to toss a coin, $20 for heads, yep. I give you $20. Tails, you give me $20. Most people won't take that bet. Would you take that bet? I would actually. Yeah, you're smart. <laughs> but you're not most people. Uh, most people won't take that they bet. They won't because in, of fear of loss. Until it's twenty, uh, sorry, 30 to $50. So one and a half to three times the gain for a disproportionate mm. loss. And that's why we avoid strategic decisions because of that fear of loss. And there's mm. kind of... Uh, fear of missing out. You know, mm. Because that's... That's the, it. You know, if strategy is about what not to do or yes. just making the choices As of much, what not yeah, to do yeah. and what to focus on, um, Jeff, wouldn't you say that many marketers and especially the big corporate marketers actually don't seem to be practicing that at all 100 percent. you know i was uh i was at a briefing last week for a client and uh we discussed over an hour the possible inclusion of 30 different marketing channels and tactics now when we looked at the size of the marketing department and their budgets there was just no way that was going to be able to be done uh, and for me you know to echo what ash said the core of strategy is about deciding what to do and what not to do. And I love the word decide because it actually comes from the Latin, which side is obviously to kill, kill suicide, yeah. suicide, and day are for options, to kill your options. Mm. Uh, and that's the game right now because it doesn't matter which specialist you go to. You know, if I'm holding a hammer, every problem looks like a nail. You know, I went to a hairdresser who told me I needed a haircut. And what we actually need to do in business is really be choiceful and limited about where it is that we choose to spend our time. Yeah, because uh, you know, there is a real problem happening in the marketing comms area, but I think it happens in wider business as well. Mm. You know, and you guys, obviously, your focus is beyond just you know, marketing communications to that larger to business focus, you know, mm. having worked with you a number of times. Um, why is, you know, is it just fear of missing out in a way uh, that's, that drives this need to have a strategy that's not a strategy? Yeah, well, look, I think the fear of missing out, like what sits underneath that's often admission, admission bias mm -hmm. of not wanting to make a decision. Yeah. So we, we sort of trundle along and, and probably admission bias is most tragically demonstrated at the moment uh, with immunisations. So the counter-immunisation movement out of the States where yeah. some fraudulent... Uh, research paper was published that said that autism linked with immunisation. Yeah, mercury in uh, in vaccines leads yeah. to autism. Yes. Yeah. Later retracted yeah. as a, a a paper that only had a correlation but no causation. Yeah. The tragic thing is now is that mothers Lich, latched onto have latched this. onto it, and yeah. the mm. reason they're latching onto it, see, is that if I immunise my child. Mm. and they get autism, I'm responsible. Yeah. If I don't do it and they get it, I'm just unlucky. If I'm a marketer and I do a little bit of this and a little bit of that and I don't decide, you know what, I'm actually going to stay off Facebook, mm. that's a decision that I'm responsible for. And that's where strategy takes responsibility and responsibility takes courage and choice. Mm. And in the absence of choice, I do a little bit here, 
and I'll do a little bit there and a little bit here it's, and a little bit there. We call those marketers the uh, the lawn sprinkler, you know. The yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, because it's just they take the budget and just spray it across everything mm. and then wonder why the grass doesn't grow anywhere else, you yeah. know. I mean, Jeff, uh, why do you think people have trouble making decisions and sticking to a strategy? Oh, look, I think... I think what Ash uh, outlined is a really good thought, but I also think the real cost of over-strategizing is hidden. So mm. it's interesting, you know, people will often come to us and they'll say, well, what kind of businesses will you work with? And they're expecting us to give them an industry vertical or a business size. And I always say two things. Look, if they're in the mood for a step change, attitudinally ready to make a change, but also if after working with us, there's going to be enough money left over to implement what we tell them and what we recommend, then we'll work with them. And, and funnily enough, you know, the listeners out there might ask, well, how could we possibly answer that question? We try and aim for about 10%. And so what I'm, what I'm actually saying is that the hidden nature of the cost of strategy is probably what's keeping people engaging and over-strategizing. So mm. the call there is to actually have a look across their agency partners, their staffing, their budgets, and actually say, well, how much time, effort, and money is being put in oh. to, to this rethinking and constant rethinking, and should it be reduced? Well, we, we are increasingly doing um, very large projects of helping marketers rationalise their roster of agencies. Mm, yeah. And it is not unheard of for mm. us to find more than 100 agencies engaged with a marketer mm. of all different types, oh. right? 100 agencies when the budget is only, you know, enough for maybe 20 at the most. Yeah, you know, so when you divide it up, everyone's, you know, it's the sprinkler. Everyone's getting a little bit. Yeah. The interesting thing is that every marketer will try and justify. When we get to the point of cutting the roster from 120 down to 20, every marketer will justify, oh, but they're really good at strategy. Yeah, yeah right. Right? No one's good at creative. Mm -hmm. No one's good at innovation. Mm -hmm. yeah. Everyone's good at strategy. The thing is, we then ask around, well, what sort of strategy? Oh, you know, marketing strategy. And um, I think, you know, this is one of the, the issues yeah. is that strategies become this sort of panacea, this, you mm. know, this label that covers everything. Mm. Because back to your point, Ash, about, you know, the, the strategy in these smaller disciplines, you know, like a, a strategist for social media and mm. a strategist for channel planning and a strategist for this and that, mm. um, all they're doing is really trying to manoeuvre a bit of budget their way, aren't it they? It is, and, and there's, I think, a lot of subterfuge around it where I think social media has been guilty of, some rightly, some potentially unjust, but certainly there has been amazing volumes of literature produced around social media strategy. Mm. Mm. And when I look at social media strategy, a lot of it is around vanity metrics and yep. things that don't really matter. And certainly for me, when I look at, you know, I ask business owners the question, I say, great, so who owns your LinkedIn profile? And they go, I do. No, Reid Hoffman owns that. Mm. Zucks owns your Facebook page. Bryn and Paige own your, your Google Plus. Yeah, your, your, your Google, uh, your YouTube channel. Yeah. So, the social media strategy I'm interested in is how do you get people off somebody else's platform to something that you own? That cracks me up because there's actually, uh, and, and I know of a very high profile uh, guy in Singapore that only works on LinkedIn strategy. Yeah. He's there to help businesses with their LinkedIn strategy. Yeah. 
And uh, we had a, a conversation similar to this. I mm. said, but I don't own LinkedIn. I own my website <laughs> and I use LinkedIn to drive traffic to my website. Why do I want to drive traffic to my website? Yeah. Because I have a strategy that is called inbound marketing. Yeah. And to me, that's the strategy. Yeah. Inbound mm. strategy is the strategy and then selecting the component pieces yeah. and then implementing but when I talk to marketers, they find it very hard to articulate a strategy. It mm. is. And, and look, that's, I think uh, some of it comes to probably the way that marketing is treated within the business. Mm-hmm. And You mean the uh, promotions area, the colouring in section? The colouring, the coloured pencil section. Blow up the balloons? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and I think unless marketing has had a seat at the table, Mm-hmm. in the development of the business strategy. It's then unrealistic for the marketing strategy to match the business strategy. And it's kind of like Russian dolls, is that marketing exists to leverage the business strategy yeah. and digital should exist to leverage the marketing strategy and social media should exist to leverage the digital strategy. So mm. it's kind of Russian dolls. And unless there's a nexus and a link between all of them, mm. we're not being strategic. Mm. Mm. And it's that a lot of marketing... Uh, departments are set up and a lot of agency rosters are set up to be silos across the different channels where what Ash is really indicating there is there should be a cascade from the top to the bottom and there really should be an understanding of which channels are most effective and make the biggest difference and they should be calling some of the shots and cascading it. So Jeff I use a different metaphor I say that the business strategy is the foundation Mm -hmm. yeah and it needs to be clearly articulated and defined Mm -hmm. and then every single piece has to build on top of that and what I like about that is the the effect of gravity yeah right because the most important is the heaviest thing Mm. it's at the bottom Mm. and everything else builds on top of it and if suddenly you're over investing in a particular strategy in mm. a particular channel and there's not the support for it underneath in all of the previous strategies, mm. then you are in trouble. Mm. You've reached an unstable position. Mm. Mm. And, and mm. I think that's, um, you know, for me it's worked really well because there's not a lot of linkage, is there? No. Oh, I, don't, not. I don't think there's much. And, and I think probably the, the real victim is... Often when we go into companies, we've seen that marketing is being charged to develop the marketing strategy, often in the absence of a crystallised, clear business strategy. Mm. And the reason that business strategies are not being... So we have the distinctions good strategy, bad strategy. Yeah. Most Good book. Yeah. <laughs> Richard, Richard P. Rimmel. So yeah. most of the business strategy in inverted commas, on a podcast, it's hard to do inverted commas. Yeah, but that's all right. There's inverted commas. He did inverted is, commas. Is really, <laughs> is really just the documentation of business as usual. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever seen it, Darren, in your experience, but most annual strategic planning is actually taking last year's <laughs> business as usual plan, increasing the numbers from 5 to 7%, and having that as this year's business as usual, strategic plan. They yep. just put the word strategy plus ten percent or CPI, whichever yeah, they can get away so with. Five yeah. to seven, ten yes. percent at, at a stretch, yeah. and it really hasn't gone back to the foundations of one because all strategy is grounded in context. Yep. And the biggest screw ups in military history, in political history, in marketing history come from applying good strategies to the wrong context. Mm. Something that has worked in the past, something that is objectively smart 
that becomes irrelevant to that context is where screw-ups happen. Mm. And with the rate of change, the rate of change changing faster than ever before, things are moving fast, people are just going, la, 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 and, and wondering... You know, it's all moving so fast, I can't possibly have a strategy. That's choosing a strategy. It's called a strategy that's being reactive, mm. and that's just dangerous. Well, so that's a good point because I have had a number of marketers say to us, how can we have a strategy yeah. when we are in such a flux? You know, the market's in a uh, flux, mm. there's so much change, yeah. there's disruption mm. in our marketplace. Um, it, a strategy also becomes part of the roadmap, doesn't it? It actually says this is where we're heading because objective and strategy work together, don't they? Well, we, you can't have a strategy without a purpose or an objective. Yeah. Else it's purposeless. Yeah. So we don't like the, the, the concepts mission, mission and vision. We think it just gets confusing. So we say purpose-led organisation. Yeah. So we're fans of Simon Sinek. So start with why, but you've got to end with buy. So why is not enough? So we say purpose-led, but if the purpose is the destination worth travelling to, mm-hmm. uh, we, we use this, it's probably worth just going into. So our lexicon around this is purpose, the destination worth travelling to, the reason you get up at, in the morning and jump in the car. Yep. Separate from the ambition. Now, the ambition is the commercial lens. Organisations that make money tend to be able to look after their clients and their staff and their customers better. They're separate things. So if, if you look at some of the, the great examples of purpose and ambition, uh, when Henry Ford started off, he said to help Americans explore this great land. Yeah. Beautiful purpose. Ambition, the commercial lens, a Ford in every driveway of America. Yep. When they went into Chapter 11, to maximise shareholder value. Spot the difference? Mm. Yes, yeah, so I think having purpose very clear, but then the, the commercial ambition of the, le- of the lens of the full-time scoreboard, how we know we've won, when we arrived. Then you've got the objectives and the challenges out of your context. If we're using the, the journey analogy, it's like the lemonade stands. Yep. And the potholes. You want to know if you've got a car full of screaming kids, you want to know where the lemonade stands are so I can stop. You want to know where the potholes are so I can swerve. You don't want to fill up with lemonade, then fill a pothole. <laughs> Hit a pothole, you know. So that's it. But then strategies like the GPS, there's always multiple ro- roads to get you to a destination. Do you want to take the toll? Do you want to go off-road? Do you want to take the shortest route or the scenic route? Before These are all you choices choose, and decisions yeah, to be made as part of before the strategy. You, yeah. Before you put the car, because yeah. taking a Formula One car on off-road track is just stupid. Mm. Taking the Ducati, if you've got to take three kids, not smart. I guess some countries in Southeast Asia have proven you get 15 kids on a motorcycle, but essentially not really a smart mm. play. You want to take the people mover if you want to move people. But too often people are choosing the tactics or the car before the route. So that lexicon we find quite helpful. And just the discussion around that actually gets sort of much clearer and isolates that a lot of strategies documenting business as usual. And that's not strategy. It's important but all you've got to realise, I'm documenting business as usual. It's an operational plan. It's not a strategic plan. They're different things. So is that um, lexicon, that framework, on your website? Can people go and look? It could be. We'll send you the thing and you can put it up next to yeah. this. 
Yeah, happy to share. Because I think that's a really, in, yeah, we've been working with a thing we call the, um, and, and uh, Sean Callahan came up with it, we call it the Costanza manoeuvre. Yeah, right. To tell whether someone's got a tactic, an objective, or a strategy. Yeah, right. So uh, you guys, Seinfeld fans? You Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But um, George Costanza decided that, as everything he'd done led to, you know, disaster, mm. he'd do the opposite of what George would do. Yeah. And he became successful. He ended up being, you know, you know in charge of marketing at the, uh, what was it? The, the, uh, it was the Yankees. Yankees. Yeah, yeah. The Yankees, yeah. So, so we call it the same thing because yeah. just the point you made then, Ash, which is strategy actually has multiple options. Mm. Mm. Therefore, to test if you have a, a strategy, you look at whether there's a reverse option mm. and whether that's valid because there is no reverse objective. Yeah, and right. there is no reverse tactic. Yeah. Right? So uh, this is an actual conversation. I said to the yeah. client, what's your strategy? Because we need to align your agencies and, and your organisation to that strategy. And they said to be customer-centric. And I said to them, so what would be the opposite of that? And they go, what do you mean? And I said, well, if it's a strategy, you should be able to have a reverse of mm, that. To be non-customer-centric. <laughs> to be <laughs> customer-uncentric. Yeah. Yeah. And we were saying, that's why it's an objective. That's what you want to achieve. You yeah. want to move your organisation from here to here. Yeah. That's, your, that's your journey. Yeah. That's the destination yeah. that you're heading for. Your strategy is how, out of the thousands of options mm. available to you, mm. are you going to get there? Mm. And, and based on the resources, time... Yeah. And, and money that you've got, mm. how can you achieve that? It was actually interesting, Darren. There's, you just remind me of, of one of the steps that I missed. But when we do strategy, and I'm, I'm drawing now, we build our context as a strategic radar. Mm -hmm. And in the middle, we have purpose. Yeah. Because back to that business, marketing, social, digital, etc. Organisations should be purpose-led, and that means we define our context in relation to our purpose. We then basically put a timeline filter across it because all opportunities and challenges are timeline critical. Yeah. And it's one of the things that so humans suffer from a thinking error called duration neglect, <laughs> is that if I asked you to recall your life, it should take every year that you've had to recall yeah. it in full, but you'd comfortably tell me your life in maybe half an hour. Duration neglect means that we tend to remember the high point and the end point and just yeah. average those things. We do the same when we look at our strategic context is we actually, in a SWOT analysis, it's not time critical. No. So opportunities and challenges are time critical. So we need to have purpose at the top. In our traveling analogy, objectives, we call them mile markers. Yep. We know we're traveling towards our purpose, but they're in line with our end destination. Yep. And that's where a lot of objectives end up being inconsequential to the main purpose or mission. So organisations that are purpose, you talk about the opposite. If you don't have a purpose, it's not that you don't have a purpose, you're purposeless. Yeah. Uh, so so a similar, um, um, the metaphor we use is exactly the same. I want to drive from Sydney to Melbourne. Yeah. I plan out my journey. What's the best route to get there? Yeah. And, and to answer that question about um, being able to react to the marketplace, yeah. if I head out on the Hume Highway and suddenly there's a bushfire that's blocked the road, yes. then it's only because I've got my map that I can work out what's the best detour yeah. that will get me back onto the direction I'm going. Yeah. If I had no plan, I'd drive out of Sydney and I'd just wander aimlessly around the country until maybe I hit Melbourne. Yeah. Well, that would we'd badge that concept agility, is that you knew where you were going, you'd set off on the Hume Highway as your strategy, but you'd been aware mm. and left something in the tank, so enough fuel that if I needed to detour in case of a bushfire... 
roadworks or anything yeah. else. Which I is the metaphor just... for competitive action or changes in the marketplace. But then there's also the other thing, the fear of missing out is yeah. I set out on this strategic journey. Yeah. What happens if a big opportunity presents itself? Yeah. And it's the same, you know, whether it's the negative or the positive, you have to know where you're heading yeah. to be able to assess whether those opportunities or detours yeah. are actually worthwhile. Well, that's why I put purpose in the middle. Yeah. Because out of your purpose comes your context, yeah. and out of your context comes the top opportunities and challenges. Now, if your opportunities or challenges change, we then need to review our strategy. Mm. And if they remain constant, then our strategy should remain true. And that's... You know, when we talk about the la, 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 close our eyes, some organisations go, oh, we've got a three-year strategic plan. Well, if your context fundamentally changes in three years, what's the value of that plan? Yeah. It's fundamentally worthless. So unless you're prepared to commit to a cadence, I don't know, Jeff's really big on the cadence thing. What's it? What Cadence. Jeff? Yeah, so it's the uh, it's the counterpoint to be careful how much you know, how much time, money, and effort you're spending on strategies. Make sure that you're looking at it regularly. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, interestingly enough, the reason that we tend to work with tools is that at some point in the near future, quarterly, monthly, that's like thinking tools rather than mm. working with. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. You're gonna have to sit the same people down again. Who have probably distanced themselves from the strategy a little bit, and probably a whole lot of new people given turnover. We need to be able to get them up to speed of exactly where we were, the context that made and that drove those decisions, mm. and then be able to rethink it. So when Ash talks about cadence, what that really means is, of course, we should limit how much we spend on strategy to make sure there's enough left to actually get the job done. But we should also have a cadence where we are checking in on that regularly and the right tools, systems, process, and discipline to make sure that when we do check in on it, we're starting from where we finished last time, not from a blank sheet of paper. Exactly, because you know, in, to extend your journey metaphor, you're going to be checking the uh, fuel gauge, mm -hmm. the speedo, yeah. and the mileage, mm -hmm. you know, the number of miles. Yeah. But uh, that alludes to the, in quotes, air quotes, was it? Air quotes, the dashboard, mm -hmm. and everyone is out there offering dashboards. And, yeah. and I just suddenly, listening to you talking about cadence, realised what's wrong with most of these dashboards yeah. is they're actually giving a readout of things that are not relevant to the strategy. Yeah. They're also uh, they're also live. A lot of the dashboards now, the whole thing's about being live. And live information's really, really great when it's good news. It's really, really great when it's news you expected. But it really makes it difficult to pull out anomalies and to see things within the context of trends. Mm. Um, so some of the work that we're doing across dashboards and objectives at the moment, they actually really need to make sure that as you're getting that information live, yeah. that, uh, that you are reviewing that in the context of seasonal swings, changes in context, things that are predictable to make sure are we having a bad day, week or month or are we in serious trouble? Yeah. There was a just something related to strategies. Obviously, an organisation is either strategic or they're not. Right. And that commitment to being strategic is that I don't send the management team away to come back with stone tablets once every three years. I engage in a quality of strategic conversation and a discipline of strategic conversation at all levels all the time. Yeah. And that's really the discipline to say, because one of the thinking errors that humans have is what we see is all there is to see. And when there's a dashboard, people can get into the overanalyzing competition. Mm. One of the things I love about hanging out with you, Darren, and the conversations we have is you have a strategic mind and you're always inquiring, uh, are those the right gauges? 
Yeah. Where's the data from those gauges coming from? Is there a different gauge? When was the last time we had this serviced? Those types of questions are where strategy arises from. Because strategy isn't, great strategy is not about having the answers. It's about inquiry and asking mm. the questions. And it's, you know, one of my favourite uh, one of my favourite things related to, you know, so good strategy, bad strategy, going back to Rimmel for a second. Uh, sustainable competitive advantage. If we're talking about overused terms, maybe it's a different one, a uh, different uh, podcast for next time. But we've got brand, overused, strategy, overused, sustainable competitive advantage. It's an <laughs> absolute cracker. And I, uh, I remember the, the analogy, there's the, the World War I French field manual. This is my French accent coming out. Mm-hmm. Uh, it said, the sustainable competitive advantage of the French is superior valor in the face of enemy fire. <laughs> and they believed this stuff. So the French were there going, a sustainable competitive advantage is French valor in the face of enemy fire. And the Germans are sitting there going, yeah, and that's is a machine gun. Let's see how that plays out. <laughs> so you know, 300,000 dead French later, they realized that they didn't actually have a sustainable competitive advantage. Not they in had, the face of a machine gun. They had bravado <laughs> yeah. masquerading a strategy. Yeah. And I think it's that kind of what you bring is that strength of inquiry. Is that really an advantage? Is there really a strength there? Have we really thought that through? And and that's really where strategy starts and ends is, is in the courage to mm. ask tough questions, not once every three years. Mm. It's but every, all the time. All I time. mean, uh, to me, that's curiosity. Thank you. Thanks for the uh, that that was you know, nice of you to say. But yeah, to me, it's just uh, curiosity. Yeah. You know, you constantly wondering how does this work and how can I make it work better is is basically what drives I think any strategic person mm. to want to uh, to get the best out of any situation but to create the best advantage. Going back to your Costanza, strategy is a how. Mm. If there's no how, there's no strategy. Mm. Jeff, have you got any advice for people that are struggling with strategy? Because that's not a bad, uh, bad uh, insight. No, no, no how, no strategy. Yeah. yeah, I think I've got a little bit of a five-point plan to get okay. nice and pointy around it. So first so of all, five fingers. Yeah, okay. yeah. Become aware of how much you are spending on strategy in terms of time and effort and really be worried about whether or not you might have too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Have regular planning cadence and discipline and make sure that you're documenting things as you go so that you can start from where you were last time, not a blank sheet of paper because that is a really good way to get lost when you have a Mm -hmm. lot of chiefs and not enough Indians. Make sure that your business strategy cascades down business strategy, marketing strategy, uh, and then all of your individual channels so that it literally should drop. One should, of course, may mean that as you review it, the next piece of strategic information is obvious given that. And set up some safe-fail tests. So uh, whilst we are all out pontificating and trying to work out what the next breakthrough and advantage is, there are actually little uh, tests and ways that we can look. Well, hang on, for this strategy to be true, what would you know? What assumptions would have to also be true for it to work, and then go out and try and test those in little safe ways, so that you can take the bold strategic steps with confidence. Mm. Well, look, uh, that actually sounds like the start of a book. 
You guys, uh, could we be, could this be the start of the uh, step change book? We actually wrote a six series book once, uh, six volumes. It nearly killed us, given that uh, Ash and I are both dys- dyslexic kids. So uh, I don't know if we'll be taking on that challenge again. If it is, if you do, I'm happy to write the foreword. Okay. <laughs> okay, got it. Yeah, that's very generous. So you'll do the first two yeah, pages, yeah, and we'll just look after the, the following. Do the three hundred words or four hundred words, and I'll write the introduction. But guys, thank you very much. This is, I love catching up with you, and I love having uh, thank these you. types of chats. So uh, thank you very much. And of course, uh, I'll be wanting commission on that book idea. Okay? Of course, yeah. yes, okay. the one that we aren't going to go. Through.